0: section 15 of the shakespeare storybook this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by larry wilson the shakespeare storybook by mary MacLeod. the merchant of venice part two the three caskets revenge portia the lady whom bassanio hoped to win for his wife had inherited great wealth, but there was one strange clause in her father's will. She was not free to choose her own husband. Her father had ordained that there should be three caskets, one of gold, one of silver, one of lead, and Portia's portrait was to be placed in one of these caskets. Every suitor had to make his choice, and whoever was fortunate enough to select the one containing the portrait was to be rewarded with the lady's hand the report of portia's wealth and wondrous beauty spread abroad and many adventurers came in search of her portia liked none of them and felt much aggrieved to be so curbed by her dead father's will her waiting-maid nerissa tried to console her by reminding her how wise and good her father had always been holy men she said had often at their deaths good inspirations AND IT WOULD VERY LIKELY COME TO PASS THAT THE CASKET WOULD NEVER BE RIGHTLY CHOSEN EXCEPT BY SOMEONE WHO RIGHTLY LOVED. PORTIA LISTENED, BUT SHE WAS SCARCELY CONVINCED. AMONG HER SUITORS THERE WAS NOT ONE FOR WHOM SHE FELT ANYTHING BUT RIDICULE AND CONTEMPT. SHE WAS THEREFORE DELIGHTED WHEN Nerissa WENT ON TO TELL HER THAT THE GENTLEMEN WERE DEPARTING TO THEIR OWN HOMES, AND INTENDED TO TROUBLE HER NO FURTHER unless she could be won by some other means than those imposed by her father i am glad the parcel of wooers are so reasonable for there is not one among them but i dote on his very absence said portia gaily heaven grant them a fair departure do you not remember lady in your father's time a venetian a scholar and a soldier that came here in company of the marquis of montferrat asked Nerissa. "'Yes, yes, it was uh, Bassanio," answered Portia quickly, then more slowly, as if she would not have Nerissa notice her eagerness. "'I think he was so called.' "'True, madam. He, of all the men that ever my foolish eyes looked upon, was the best deserving a fair lady.' "'I remember him well, and I remember him worthy of your praise,' said Portia.' at that moment a serving-man entered to say that four stranger lords desired to take their leave of the lady portia and that a forerunner had come from a fifth the prince of morocco who brought word that his master would be there that night come Nerissa," said portia with a little gesture of half-comic despair while we shut the gate upon one wooer another knocks at the door the caskets were duly set out in order and the prince of Morocco was to make his choice. The first of gold bore this inscription, Who chooseth me shall gain what many men desire. The second of silver carried this promise, Who chooseth me shall get as much as he deserves. The third, dull lead, had this blunt warning, Who chooseth me must give and hazard all he hath long and carefully the prince of morocco pondered seeking to discover the hidden meaning that lay in each mysterious inscription but at last his decision was made who chooseth me shall gain what many men desire why uh, that's the lady reflected the prince all the world desires her they come from the four corners of the earth to behold fair portia one of these three caskets contains her picture is it likely that lead contains her that is too base a thought or shall i think she is immured in silver when gold is ten times more valuable give me the key i choose here there take it prince said portia and if my picture is there then i am yours the prince of morocco unlocked the golden casket and what did he behold not the fair image of the lovely portia but a grinning skull in the empty eye there was a written scroll and this is what it said all that glisters is not gold often you have heard that told many a man his life hath sold but my outside to behold gilded tombs do worms enfold you have been as wise as bold, young in limbs, in judgment old. Your answer had not been enscrolled. Fare you well, your suit is cold. Cold indeed, and labor lost. Then, farewell, heat, and welcome frost, sighed the prince, and there was nothing left for him to do but to take a dignified departure. The next suitor to put in appearance was the prince of Aragon but he was no more fortunate than the Prince of Morocco. His choice fell on the silver casket, but for all his reward he found the portrait of a blinking idiot. Portia gladly saw him depart, and at the same moment arrived a messenger to announce the coming of a young Venetian lord. Some instinct made Portia guess who was approaching, and she was not mistaken. It was indeed the Lord Bassanio very different were the feelings with which portia watched this suitor make his choice from those she had experienced on former occasions she had even begged bassanio to pause for a day or two or if he chose wrongly she would lose his company but bassanio replied that he must choose at once for as matters were now he lived upon the rack his chief dread was that portia might not care for him but the lady soon comforted him on that point even if he lost the prize he would have the consolation of knowing that he was really loved portia bade nerissa and the rest stand all aloof and ordered sweet music to sound while bassanio made his choice like the prince of morocco and the prince of aragon bassanio stood long in reflection before the fated caskets but unlike these princes he made a happier choice the gold and the silver he rejected, for he knew how often appearances were deceitful. But the humble lead, which rather threatened than promised anything, attracted his fancy. Thou meager lead, thy paleness moves me more than eloquence, he said. Here, I choose. Joy be the consequence. Bassanio unlocked the leaden casket, and there he found the portrait of the lady portia with her golden hair and her eye smiling back at him in greeting with the picture was a scroll on which was written you that choose not by the view chances fair and choose is true since this fortune falls to you be content and seek no new if you be well pleased with this and hold your fortune for your bliss turn you where your lady is and charm her with a loving kiss a gentle scroll fair lady by your leave i come by note to give you and to receive said bassanio following the advice of the scroll he was almost dazed at his own good fortune and scarcely dared to believe it could be true until it was confirmed and ratified by the lady herself but portia left him no doubt on that point and her love and joy overflowed in generous surrender of herself and all her possessions to her new-found lord HER GOVERNOR, HER KING. THIS HOUSE, THESE SERVANTS, AND MYSELF, ARE YOURS, MY LORD, SHE ENDED, I GIVE THEM WITH THIS RING, WHICH WHEN YOU PART FROM, LOSE, OR GIVE AWAY, LET IT foretell THE RUIN OF YOUR LOVE. Bassanio DECLARED HE HAD NO WORDS IN WHICH TO ANSWER. THERE WAS NOTHING BUT A WILD SENSE OF JOY, AND AS FOR THE RING, HE WOULD NEVER PART WITH IT AS LONG AS HE LIVED the happiness resulting from bassanio's choice of the right casket did not end with themselves for now another couple stepped forward and craved permission to be married at the same time as the lord and the lady one of bassanio's companions had come with him to belmont a gay feather-brained young fellow called Graciano. this lively chatterer had fixed his affections on nerissa the waiting-woman and their fate too hung on the caskets for nerissa promised that if bassanio succeeded in winning her mistress she would consent to marry Graciano. nerissa further in imitation of portia gave her own wooer a ring and gratiano like bassanio swore that he would never part with it revenge meanwhile in venice things were not going well either for shylock or for antonio the three months for which antonio had borrowed the money had almost expired, when a dreadful blow fell on the Jew. Jessica, his only child, fled with a Christian. Not only this, but she carried off her rich plunder of money and jewels stolen from her father's hordes. Shylock was almost out of his mind with rage and grief, and from his frenzied ravings it was difficult to say which loss he felt the most, that of his ducats or his daughter. Jessica, in her heedless extravagance, squandered money right and left, and even a precious turquoise ring which her mother had given to shylock before their marriage was not held sacred jessica bartered it at genoa to a sailor in exchange for a monkey the news of his daughter's reckless prodigality cut shylock to the heart but he had one source of consolation to which he turned with savage glee antonio the merchant had met with heavy losses and one ship after another had been wrecked at sea on the rialto it was reported that Antonio must certainly be bankrupt. Let him look to his bond! cried Shylock. He was wont to call me usurer. Let him look to his bond. He was wont to lend money for Christian courtesy. Let him look to his bond. Why, said one of Antonio's friends, I am sure if he forfeit, you will not take his flesh. What's that good for? To bait fish withal, said Shylock, with a snarl like a tiger. If it will feed nothing else, it will feed my revenge. He has disgraced me and hindered me half a million, Laughed at my losses, mocked at my gains, Scorned my nation, thwarted my bargains, Cooled my friends, heated my enemies, and what's his reason? I am a jew hath not a jew eyes hath not a jew hands organs senses affections passions fed with the same food hurt with the same weapons subject to the same diseases healed by the same means warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a christian is if you prick us do we not bleed if you tickle us do we not laugh if you poison us do we not die and if you wrong us shall we not revenge if we are like you in the rest we will resemble you also in that if a jew wrong a christian what is his humility revenge if a christian wrong a jew what should his sufferance be by christian example why revenge the villainy you teach me i will execute and it shall go hard but i will better the instruction and shylock's resolution was like rock nothing could shake it when the bond fell due and antonio failed to meet it shylock had him arrested and insisted on the case being brought to trial before the duke of venice no arguments could move him no appeals for mercy not even the offer of money if antonio could have got it i'll have no speaking i will have my bond was his only answer the venetian gentleman with whom jessica had fled to get married lorenzo was a friend of antonio and bassanio the young husband and wife in their flight happened to come across another friend of theirs who was conveying the news of antonio's disaster to bassanio and at his request lorenzo and jessica went with him to Belmont. They reached the house at the very moment when everyone was in full tide of joy after the successful choosing of the casket. Portia made them welcome, and Salario handed a letter to Bassanio. The latter turned so pale on reading it that Portia guessed something terrible must have happened. She claimed her right as promised wife to share in all that concerned Bassanio, and he told her without hesitation how matters stood is it your dear friend who is thus in trouble asked portia when she had heard the account of antonio's troubles and how it was for bassanio's sake he had run such a risk the dearest friend to me the kindest man answered bassanio the most unwearied in doing courtesies and the most unsullied in honour what sum does he owe the jew for me three thousand ducats what no more pay him six thousand and cancel the bond double six thousand and then treble that before such a friend shall lose a hair through bassanio's fault exclaimed portia first go with me to church and call me wife then hasten to venice to your friend you shall have gold to pay the debt twenty times over but let me hear the letter of your friend sweet bassanio ran the letter my ships have all miscarried my creditors grow cruel, my state is very low, my bond to the Jew is forfeit, and since in paying it, it is impossible I should live, all debts are cleared between you and me, if I might but see you at my death, notwithstanding, use your pleasure. If your love do not persuade you to come, let not my letter. Oh, love, dispatch all business and be gone, cried Portia. The two marriages were hastily solemnized, and then Bassanio and Gratiano started at once for Venice. When they were gone, Portia announced to Lorenzo and Jessica that during her husband's absence she intended to retire into seclusion, and she committed the management of her house and estate into their hands. Then she gave some hurried directions to a serving man, Balthazar. He was to carry a letter with all speed to Padua to a learned cousin of Portia's, Doctor Bellario look what notes and garments he gives you she said and bring them with all imaginable speed to venice to the public ferry waste no time in words but get you gone i shall be there before you come nerissa she continued i have work in hand that you do not know of we shall see our husbands before they think of us shall they see us asked nerissa they shall nerissa but in such a guise they will not know us I'll wager you anything when we are both dressed like young men I'll prove the prettier fellow of the two and wear my dagger with a braver grace but come I'll tell you my whole device when we are in my coach which waits for us at the park gates hasten for we must measure 20 miles today end of section 15